It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Here are your hosts, Brent Hollerud and Andrew Smith. And welcome back to another episode of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith, along with the Fuel's Director of Marketing and my co-host, Brent Hollerud, as we take you through yet another trip behind the scenes and under the hood with your favorite ECHL hockey team. The Indy Fuel are finishing up a very busy January. There's been a lot going on as the Fuel wrap up the month this weekend, January 25th and 26th, 2019, at home with a couple of divisional games against Fort Wayne and Kalamazoo. And then it's off to the road for most of February as the Fuel will play seven of their next eight after this weekend on the road. And Brent Hollerud, it's been a team that's been pretty good on home ice this season. And so now they get a chance to really uh, see what they uh, see, kind of what this new look lineup can do on the road here coming up. Yeah, and I think it'll be um, not that it's ever a problem playing so many games on home ice. So you ask any team if you had a chance. I, I don't know off the top of my head what the split in January was, but I think it was probably um, – seven or eight home games to maybe three or four or five on the road. Um, every week there's there's one or two games on home ice, which is which is good to be in front of your home crowd, but you really don't get the chance to um, really kind of let your legs out um, on the road. And um, it all the trips have just been kind of you, you had a game the night before, you, you travel to the next city in the morning or overnight, you get your morning skate, and a lot of times the road games have been the, the second or third in a three and three, so it's it's really kind of more of the grind there. But um, like you said, in February it's going to be a lot lot more um, travel intensive schedule for the fuel, and um, you have some of those new pieces in the lineup and some of those new guy new faces. It's a great chance to get them acclimated with each other, uh, build some of that um, chemistry that. Um, I know that the the team's road record isn't quite where you'd you'd want it to be at this point in the season, but um, this is a huge juncture of the season where um, if you if you want to stay in that central division race and if you want to try to catch those teams ahead of you, you need to start picking up points on the road, and um, no better time to do it than the second half. And um, going back to last year, this is where the team started to pick things up and really started to get into it. Um, take things to another level. So, um, you know, that coach Bernie John knows how to kind of push that button and get the, get the guys to respond, um, when it gets into crunch time of the season. So, um, definitely looking forward to seeing that hopefully, uh, start happening here in the next couple of weeks. Well, and the one thing we're seeing too, is the fuel are gaining on those teams ahead of them entering the weekend and at the all-star break, just two points back of third place, Fort Wayne, Still 10 points back of second place Toledo, but the Walleye are within reach as the Fuel have basically maintained pace with Toledo. Cincinnati has kind of pulled away a little bit. They have 60 points. They lead Toledo by seven, and they have the second best record in the league behind the defending Eastern Conference champion Florida Everblades. But the one thing to note, no team has played Cincinnati as well as the Fuel have, as Indy is responsible for three of Cincinnati's seven regulation losses this season. And had a couple of great games with them this week, and unfortunately the Fuel dropped both of them, one of them in a shootout on Saturday night here on Blackhawks night when uh, the Fuel came back from a 3-1 to deficit, and 
took the game to overtime, had a power play in overtime. Uh, Cincinnati's goaltender, Michael Hauser, made a couple of big saves. And then uh, Sunday, the uh, Cyclones took a 4-2 victory uh, over the fuel, but Josh Shala had a couple of power play goals in that one. Every game with Cincinnati has been competitive, and I think that just shows you, number one, how competitive this division is. You could say the Central Division has six of maybe the top 10 or 15 teams in the ECHL. There's no nights off in uh, in the division. But uh, number two, the fact is the fuel right there in that mix where they're two points back of third place Fort Wayne, and uh, they're just one point ahead of fifth place Wheeling, and five points ahead of Kalamazoo. So every game right now in the division is really a four-point game, and we see that this weekend with the Fuel playing Fort Wayne on Friday night and then a home-and-home against Kalamazoo here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum on Saturday, then to Kalamazoo on Sunday. You've got a chance to really gain on or pull away from teams that you're facing and either you're chasing or are chasing you. And so a really big opportunity for a team that, as you mentioned, really seems to put things together this time of year. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like we're having the same conversation every every other week when we sit down here about how tight the Central Division standings are. And But each time, or each, each new time we sit down, it's, it seems to be even more true. I mean, just looking at... Um, Looking at the fuel, they they might only have three wins over their last ten games, but just by virtue of picking up points and pushing games past regulation, they've been able to keep pace and keep a hold of that that fourth place seed. Um, and then you look at outside of Cincinnati, who has just been absolutely rolling um, since December and pretty much all season long. They've I think they've gotten points in um, eight of the last ten games or something like that. Um, Toledo had a little bit of a, a stumble there before the all-star break. Um, so Indy is still right in the hunt there. I mean, they're, um, like you mentioned, they're holding down fourth place right now, two points behind Fort Wayne, which they have a chance to erase tomorrow night, um, here at Indiana Farmers Coliseum. But then look at Wheeling and Kalamazoo, both teams that Wheeling has been, um, had a huge turnaround after a slow start. They're a dangerous team. Um, it's been pretty much a toss-up every time um, the Fuel and Nailers have gotten together. And Kalamazoo, uh, no team seems to be able to put the puck in the net more and then have a hard time uh, keeping the puck out of their net at, as the Wings do. But it's always just kind of a toss-up game when you're looking at um, the the few instances that Fuel and Wings have met this season. It always seems to be a high-scoring game where there's a five-minute stretch that kind of decides the, the course of the entire game. And uh, so it should be definitely exciting hockey this weekend. And up eight, if you're talking about the four-point swing, there's eight points hanging in the balance with these two games um, with Indian Kalamazoo this weekend. And now you look at what has been going well for the Fuel. And one thing, the power play, the second, the penalty-killing unit, the Fuel have scored a power play goal in six of their last nine games and have scored two power play goals in four of their last nine, and that's a big reason why they've been uh, as successful as they have. Last weekend against Cincinnati, they uh, Cincinnati came in with the league's top penalty-killing unit, and the Fuel uh, scored four out of ten tries against them. And not only that, but the Fuel penalty-killing unit has just been outstanding for the last three or four weeks, really since the turn of the new year in 
the last 10 games, the Fuel have killed off 47 of the last 49 opposing power plays, including 14 in a row. The last time they were scored on was back on January 13th in Wheeling. Since then, three straight uh, games without a power play goal against. And even you throw in there, of the two they've given up, one of those was in the last three seconds of a game that had already been decided. So it's a team that's playing very well, and that's a case of chemistry but and understanding the system and everybody being in the right spot. But something else is you put it on Dmitry Osipov and Alex Brooks, the all-star, um, Zach Miskovic, Robert Powers. Those are your four guys that have been that core, but Throughout that stretch, the Fuel played a couple of games without Miskovic. They've played without Miles Liberati for much of that stretch. He was one of their top defensemen. They've had a couple of SPHL call-ups in the lineup. Guillaume Notes played very well and looks like uh, he could be a long-termer in this league just because he's so strong in his own zone and does a good job in the defensive third of the ice. And, of course, uh, the, the Fuel have kind of made some transactions back there uh, as well, Neil Manning uh, went back to Europe, so uh, Josh McArdle's been up in Rockford. So you've got uh, some changes taking place, but yet the defensemen are playing very, very well. And you see the effect of that normally in your penalty killing stats or in your power play stats, but it's been quite the opposite. This fuel team has really put things together on special teams. And in hockey in 2019, the game really is a special teams game, and if you can win the special teams battle, you're going to win most nights. And and like you said, it, it's kind of a testament to the systems they have in place that they've been able to be so successful because there has been so much turnover, at least with the personnel on the back end specifically. Um, it, in many cases, you've been able to just plug in whoever you have healthy on any given night, and the result is more or less the same. And um, the field have been able to use that, that strong penalty kill that really just kind of keep control of games and um, thinking back to um, when Fort Wayne was in town a couple weeks ago, you start the game and Fort Wayne has a five minute power play right off the opening draw. Um, Like that is a huge uh, momentum swing one way or the other, either Fort Wayne can put a couple in and next thing you know, you're down two or three goals before you even had a chance to roll through your line, your forward lines or in the case of what actually happened, the, the penalty kill pulls through. Matt Tompkins makes a couple saves, as he's been doing all season, to really kind of hunker things down. And I think uh, the Fuel ended up, um, I mean, they end up pushing that game into overtime, um, keeping control throughout the whole game and um, picking up a point from it. So um, just having that reliable play from both special teams units, both power or penalty kill and power play, has been just crucial and now the focus is if um, in talking with Coach John this week, um, he obviously is very, very pleased with how both his special teams units have been playing. And the team is just looking to try to find that one extra goal on five on five, on five each game because they're getting the production of the power play. They're keeping teams from capitalizing on their power plays. So if you can just kind of swing the momentum in your favor in five on five play, you're going to win a lot of these one-goal games or these overtime games that some of have been um, just slipping out of the fuel's fingers here in the last few weeks. Yeah, and that's uh, certainly a key, and that's where your depth comes in. You've got three forward lines that can put the puck in the net, and uh, they've all been producing in uh, some way five-on-five, and uh, 
throughout the lineup here of late. And one thing too, we've seen a little bit of change uh, with the with the fuel as we mentioned. Guillaume Node came up right around uh, the holiday break, and he has been a mainstay in the lineup. And also, the fuel made a move this week to bring in a goaltender from South Carolina. Gordy DeField, he played collegiately at Lake Superior State, and uh, he's also played uh, a little bit in South Carolina. He had a 2.77 goals against in 14 games uh, with the Stingrays, and also 3-0 and a 1.33 goals against in the SPHL and Macon. Played a lot at Lake Superior, put up really good numbers even though he didn't win a lot of games. Uh, had a 9.15 save percentage in college won three straight championships as a junior goaltender. He's six feet tall and a native of Minnesota and about to turn 26 as well. That will happen on Sunday. But uh, the thing is, to have a goaltender who has proven he can win in this league, now that takes some of the heat off of Matt Tompkins, who has been outstanding for the fuel. He leads the ECHL in wins. He leads the ECHL in saves. And he's also first in the league in minutes played and so now you get a chance to give your number one goaltender a little bit of rest because you can bring in a second goaltender who has uh, played some pretty good hockey uh, so far in the ECHL uh, with the Stingrays. And that's where I think the importance of uh, adding a goaltender like Dave Feel is almost twofold where one on in the front end it gives you a guy who he's shown he can win he's six and six so far this year in, in South Carolina and he's been outstanding in some of those games. Looking back at uh, a win he had just a few weeks ago against the Worcester Railers, stops 49 out of 50 shots in a 4-1 victory. So not only is he winning games, he's stealing a couple games for him. So that that's a plus there. But kind of the benefit in the long term, being able to give Tompkins some rest and keep managing his minutes and keeping him fresh for when you know you're going to need your, your, your ace um, down the stretch in those uh, – win or, or must-win situations, I mean, the must-win situation could be coming as early as mid-February, the way this uh, this division is shaping out, but when it gets down to crunch time in, in mid to late March and early April, um, you need your, your number one goalie to be rested and, and ready to go, and so uh, it's definitely, I'm not thinking that it's necessarily going to be going into a full game-game rotation right away, because Tompkins is obviously... He's shown that he can handle the workload playing as much as he has in the last uh, couple months. But I think definitely having a guy who can shoulder some, some of the load and, and give Matt a, a few days off is, is definitely going to pay dividends to this team. Uh, and then also something special happened. It is the league's all-star break, so no ECHL games during the week because Monday was the all-star classic at Toledo. We all know how special that was last year when the Fuel hosted it here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Alex Brooks got an opportunity to represent the Fuel. He's really earned that spot. He's uh, got 16 points in 38 games, plus 8. And you talk about a defenseman who has just really improved throughout the year. He's somebody who uh, does. When he puts the puck on goal, there's a pretty good chance it's going in the net. But he's also been very reliable in his own end and was very much a deserving all-star selection. 
and had a great game Monday night in Toledo as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, if you're looking down, at it, I think the Western Conference ended up playing four games. Um, with their the format, it was um, all teams were playing three on three. It was a, a rallied scoring type event. Um, the Western Conference made it to the semifinals where they just came short to the Eastern Conference, who ended up winning the entire thing later by beating one of the Toledo um, squads there. But Brooks, in, in during his night, he had uh, a couple of beautiful assists to both to uh, Kansas City Mavericks forward Jared Van Warmer and uh, added an empty net goal in um, the first game or one of the, the opening round wins for the Western Conference. So definitely... Um, definitely a good night for, for Alex and um, a little bit probably different style than he's used to playing. He's definitely more of the defensively responsible, not kind of the one to, to be skating the puck end to end. But um, I know all the players and I'm sure Alex had, had a great time wheeling around out there. And uh, it was a fun, fun um, game and a fun event to watch um, from afar. Uh, and you mentioned he's defensively responsible, guy I mentioned a plus eight he also leads the fuel and defenseman points so he's defensively responsible but he can make things happen in the offensive end as well and that's what you want out of a uh, blue liner and that was a really good offseason pickup uh, from Kansas City and of course feeding his former teammate Jared Van Wormer in the all-star game a couple of times but really good offseason pickup by the fuel uh, trading with uh, Kansas City for Riley Sweeney brought Alex Brooks, and those off-season trades have really paid off. You had the Brooks trade, getting uh, Kevin Dufour in a futures deal. He has uh, really uh, played some great hockey for the Fuel with uh, 30 points in 38 games right now, and you add those guys to the existing core, and that's where that depth really comes in. And we talk about uh, depth and defensemen, and we knew what the forward group was going to be. We've talked about that a lot. The defense was a bit of an unknown coming into the year because we had so many new players being plugged into the lineup. And Alex Brooks has had a great year. Zach Miskovic has been Zach Miskovic. He's the captain. He's the dad of the team. And another player who has really stepped up throughout the year and basically become one of the team's top shutdown defensemen is Dmitry Osipov. Second-year pro and played last season, split the year between Quad City and Chicago in the American Hockey League, played most of the year with Quad City, and spent a lot of time just learning the league, learning the professional game after playing several years in the Western Hockey League in uh, Vancouver, and now really getting a chance to play a lot of minutes in essentially a shutdown role for the Fuel. And uh, one thing Bernie John said a couple of weeks ago, was you forget he's 21 years old or 22 years old because he plays like he's so much older than he is that he's just a second-year pro, but you would never know it. And uh, he's just a real delight to talk to as well and a real asset to this team both on and off the ice. And he's he's a perfect example of one of those defensemen where um, you really don't even notice that he's out there. And that, and that in no way is um, to be a slight against his game. It's just... His role is to not get caught and to not make mistakes and to not turn the puck over, and he's done that extremely well. Um, he's chipped in ten assists, and, and he's one of the or one of only two players to appear in all forty-one games to this point. So he's reliable back there, and like you said, he's if you ever have the chance to just be around him by the locker room, like he always got, he has a smile on his face, 
he's really kind of like coming to his own with this team and um, just really kind of built himself into um, one of the the cornerstone pieces on the back end. And um, I think he's he's been just one of the most steady reliable guys on that field defensive end well we had a chance to chat with dimitri and had a really good conversation here's our conversation with fuel defenseman dimitri osipov we're joined in the first intermission by indy fuel defenseman dimitri osipov as the fuel take on the fort wayne comments tonight and dimitri first of all you're halfway through the season tonight Talk about how the season has gone for you and uh, for the team here as you hit the midway point. Uh, so far, so good, I would say. Uh, obviously, it didn't start the way we really wanted, but now I would say we start picking it up a little bit. And then, so, obviously, it's a really important game for us, battling for first spot in the, in the, in the division. And obviously, we need to be, it would have been nice if we win today, but, you know, try to get back in the right track. So the fact that you've been playing really well here of late, offense is scoring a lot of goals, but in the back end, the last five wins in a row, you've allowed two goals. How has your defensive group and that uh, that group of D-men, how have you guys come together and played well on your own end? Uh, we actually came along really, guys. Uh, obviously, there's been a few changes, guys like, you know, come and go, and then uh, obviously there's some injuries. But overall, I think we're playing solid, and then we're not allowed – the other guys that like, get a lot of time and just try to try to eliminate them as like as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Just you know, try to play well, try to do our best, and then obviously every single high guy has his own job. Mm-hmm. He's need like everybody know what they need to do. And, I mean, that's what we do pretty much. Say so it's really keeping it simple. You mentioned everybody's got his own job. What is your job? It looks like you're a very good stay-at-home type defenseman in your own zone. What do you see is your role on this team? Uh, my role is, I would like, you got it, right? Yeah. I'm just like stay home defense when I try to shut the other guys down, well, block shots, kill penalties, you know, five on five, just, you know, trying to make a good, like, first good pass and get it out of the zone as quick as I can and obviously create some offense, but most of the time I probably just try to keep a simple D zone. <laughs> At 6'4, how much does your size really help in the D zone as far as kind of keeping players wide and, uh, and being able to break up the attack? Oh, it's it's it actually helps a lot, obviously, because I mean, being big like this, like not a lot of people can move you around, and even if you try to box someone out, nobody really you know try to uh, go against you because obviously some of the guys are smaller, and then my weight advantage is obviously huge. Most of the guys, so it all it helps. Last year, your rookie season as a professional, you played in Quad City for most of the year, had a little uh, time in Chicago in the American Hockey League. What did you learn during that first year that helps make you better and be able to hit the ground running this year? Just keep it simple. Honestly, don't really overthink. and Just try to keep it simple. Try to play your own game. Don't really do too much. Maybe you're thinking, like, oh, yeah, I need to show up, show some offensive skills over there. Just try to keep it simple. Try to do whatever you're able to. That's, that's pretty much the only big thing I learned. What did you gain from your uh, games in the American Hockey League and, and being having the opportunity to play a few games at the next level? I mean, it's kind of obviously it was really fun to play in the American Hockey League. It was it's just it's totally different, different game, different level. The guys are different, and then just it just feels different because you like you're just one step away from the NHL. I said the guys are like. The guys either 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 like being on the NHL or you know going to and then it's kind of like 
It's really, it's really nice. It's, 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 it's a different feeling. I can't really tell you what it is, uh -huh. but it's like it's just totally different level. What was it like for a 17-year-old kid from Russia coming to North America to play junior hockey in the Western Hockey League? And how did you adapt and get used to not just the North American style, but also just playing and living in, in Canada and North America? It was hard. Honestly, it was really, really hard. My first first year, as I remember, I was really, really, pro really close to just quit because it was it was really hard, especially the language barrier was huge. I couldn't really speak. I couldn't understand the coach. I couldn't really communicate with, like, with other guys. I was, you know, pretty much like by myself most of the, most of the day. And it, it was just kind of like, I would say, a depressing side, mm -hmm. but it's a new country. The language is different. The people are different. So it, the, even the hockey style is so different. So it was... It was it was a uh, it was a good a good opportunity for me to learn something new and then obviously when I started speaking I started understand way more what's going on around me I started liking it way more and since then like I'm, if you would ask me do I regret it that I left home I would say no it was just being unreal for me and you've been here uh, ever since in the WHL and now uh, here in the ECHL and it was really the goal it was the goal to. Uh, give yourself that opportunity to play and maybe have a chance to make the National Hockey League. Yeah, obviously that was, that was the only probably reason why I came is just going straight to uh, <clears throat> straight to NHL. But, you know, you got to make small steps, just like mm -hmm. a ladder, just step by step you're going up. So, I mean, that's for me, it's just another step of the ladder. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to play here. It's something like Unreal League, the team itself is really nice. So just, you know, everything is just ahead of me. So. Bernie says it's hard to believe you're a young guy because you play so much beyond your years. Uh, what do you enjoy about playing for this team and uh, and becoming a leader in that defensive group? Well, you know, it's actually, it would sound maybe kind of weird from my perspective, mm -hmm. but even like... You know, some some people say like, oh yeah, blocking shots is like it's, mm -hmm. it hurts, it's not mm -hmm. good for you. But like from other side, let's say if I block a shot and I look at the bench and all guys goes like crazy about it, like oh yeah, like a job, a job. And obviously I knew I prevent either the scoring chance or even prevent the goal maybe with the block shot. So it kind of keeps me going. And then I just kind of, honestly. Most of the guys, most of the guys say like, yeah, I love playing power play because mm -hmm. you can score a goal. I would say I love playing PK just because I can block shots and like hit some guys. So that would be the big difference between mm -hmm. because I do like playing defense. Mm -hmm. I do like killing. I do like hitting guys. So it's like I think that's what's still like keeping me going and doing whatever I'm doing right now. That's always my size. You know, it's, it's huge. So it's hard to not hit <laughs> if I'm going down. So I mean, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, thanks a lot, Dimitri. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And that is Indy Fuel defenseman Dmitry Osipov on Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. And you think about the path he has taken. He wanted to come to North America to play in the National Hockey League. He's gotten himself to the ECHL where he's a mainstay. Obviously uh, uh, had a little cup of coffee in the American Hockey League last year. And when I asked him about the AHL, his eyes lit up. And you kind of heard, you could hear that in his voice during the conversation and uh, he, he's somebody who's going to be a mainstay uh, where uh, and we're fortunate to have him here in Indy and you can say that for a lot of guys the one thing I ask players a lot is what do you enjoy most about being in Indy what do you enjoy most about being part of this team and every single one of them says the room the guys they get along so well with each other 
It's such a good group of players. And you can tell by watching, they really enjoy playing hockey with each other, and they enjoy being with each other off the ice as well. And you can tell this has definitely been a two- or three-year process to get the team, get the makeup to this point where, um, looking back to a couple seasons ago, um, over the course of the entire um from October to April, the Fuel had over 60 players come through and play in a game. That's basically th- an entire roster switched out three different times. Where this year, um, and of course, knock on wood if I can find some, but um, it seems like there just hasn't been as much um, and or as much roster movement with this team. And part of that is um, you're getting more help from from your affiliates and. Um, there hasn't been as much of the down, up and down, and obviously looking at uh, Neil Manning when he was still in the organization was going up and down. You had Lonkinen for a period there, and Josh McCardle is still up with Rockford, but we've seen cases in the past where it's almost every day, five days out of the week, there's some sort of movement going from Rockford to Indy. And I think they have finally, after kind of searching for their identity in the locker room, searching for those pieces to build around, you, you find your, your Rupert Twins, you find your Josh Shallow, you find your um, Zach Miskovic has been here a while, but you find those pieces that you can truly build a culture around and build your, your locker room around, and you're, you're, seeing kind of, um, you're seeing that come into effect this year with, um, I mean, it started from the beginning of the season talking to um, Darren Flincham around uh, the training camp, and he's just buzzing right on – on team media day saying that he's never in all his years in, in juniors and in the pros, he's never seen a team that has instantly just clicked and um, been as friendly and as tight knit as this group has been. So um, that will only help your case as the season progresses. And um, you talk about the importance of chemistry and having a good feel in the room. And this team definitely has all those um, indicators. Well, and then uh, last week, we had one of the really special nights of the year with Blackhawks night. And it's always a treat to have Jim Cornelison come sing the national anthem. And it really feels like the madhouse on Madison down here as the, uh, as the fans respond as they would in Chicago with uh, Jim singing the national anthem. Brian Bickle was unable to make his appearance here Saturday night because of travel uh, issues and some, uh, the weather we had that also, made it difficult for some of our fans to get to the rink on Saturday night. And uh, we're glad that those of you who braved the weather made it and enjoyed what was a great hockey game. And those of you who were unable to make it, Brian Bickle will be back uh, later on in the year. We're working with him to, uh, uh, to get him here. But that's just a special night as well to celebrate the affiliation we have with the Chicago Blackhawks. That's really been a good affiliation for all three levels for Indy, for Rockford, for Chicago, and how the three franchises really work together, not just to uh, promote the Blackhawks or promote the Fuel or promote the Icehawks, but really to promote each other and work with each other and promote the game of hockey as well. And we're seeing the fruits of that with Colin Delia playing goal and uh, really playing well for the Hawks, as well as a number of former Fuel players uh, doing the same in uh, Rockford in the American Hockey League. But those roots go deeper than that, and uh, we get a chance to celebrate that uh, with Hawks Night. And uh, it's always a special night, and 
it was really a, an enjoyable evening on Saturday. They have Jim Cornelison and Tommy Hawk here and uh, some of the other uh, pieces of uh, what's always a special night to celebrate the uh, relationship that the teams have. Yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's it's a night to kind of celebrate the, um, the the relationship the three organizations have within each other. And I think it's been cool to see how that relationship has really evolved um, in the five years the teams have been affiliated, where I would say probably the first couple of years of the Blackhawks night, it, it's more of just kind of the, the marketing thing and that that's your affiliate. Your, it's And that was right when the, uh, the Hawks just won the – the cup in 2015 and um, it was kind of at the peak of their if you want to call it a dynasty you call it a dynasty it was the peak of their kind of Stanley Cup window there um, so obviously they have the name brand recognition but now it, it the relationship runs so much deeper than that you're seeing um, kind of using Colin Delia as the example you've seen the relationship and the system work as it's intended with um, Colin starting in Indy last year and working his way all the way up through Rockford and hitting Chicago and you actually be you're able to showcase the the players that have touched each place in the or each location in the affiliation and um, really kind of uh, kind of show off and what the the teams have been able to do in concert with each other so it, it's just a lot of fun to see and celebrate that and unfortunately um, Mother Nature kind of had to um, make things a little dicey there with, with the snowstorm. And I know we were excited to have Brian Bickle out. And unfortunately, he had an event in Toronto um, Saturday morning. So we had his flight all scheduled to get to Toronto, to Indy. And uh, one of his flights was canceled Friday night. or Friday night. So we got him on a, a – we, we switched the itinerary on Saturday morning. And unfortunately, both legs of that plan were pushed back and ultimately canceled as well. Um, so I think Brian ended up being stranded at O'Hare, um, at the time of the game, but he's already been, he's been nothing but accommodating. He, I think he truly felt he, he really wanted to be there. And I know we're already working on finding a, um, an alternative date to get Brian out and, um, get him to a game. So, uh, of course, as soon as there's any information regarding a, a date for that, um, We'll be announcing it on our website, our, our social media accounts. So um, be on the lookout for that. But no, it's just it's a lot of fun, um, even for those who who braved the weather and joined us. It, it's still a special energy in the building, and um, I mean nothing. There's no better way to kind of get that started than with everyone um, screaming the anthem and the one and only Jim Cornelison. And it's been neat to have him here every year on Blackhawks night, as well as the original opening night. He got the franchise started off by singing the national anthem. And now he's become an indie icon in another area as well, as he sings before the Indy 500 and has been embraced by the local fan base there. And so the few will have essentially another connection as well uh, with Jim Cornelius and singing uh, with, with us here in Indy at least once a year. And now, uh, once a year down at 16th in Georgetown. We had a chance to talk about that. We did get an opportunity to meet up with Jim Cornelison when he was here Saturday evening for Blackhawks night. Here is that conversation. We're joined tonight by Chicago Blackhawks anthem singer Jim Cornelison. Jim, it's Blackhawks night. You've been able to do this uh, several times. What does it mean to you to be able to represent the Blackhawks, not just at the United Center, but also really at uh, venues here like in Indy and throughout the Midwest? 
Well, it, uh, it really equates to meeting like a lot of uh, really great people, kind of establishing a presence down here uh, with the fuel, but also because now the Indy 500 developing, you know, just a, a, a sense of presence here. And uh, it's been it's been a fantastic thing to be part of. Of course, I think the fuel are doing a great job. From, the, from day one with uh, refurbishing the Coliseum and uh, coming in here and seeing, you know, these hockey games, the kind of production that they put on, it's uh, it's very exciting to be part of that. You've had a pretty strong tie to Indiana. You went to IU, graduated from the School of Music. What does it mean to you to see hockey grow the way it has here in Indy? I just think it's really exciting to see it grow, and, I, and it's really exciting to see, again, that connection with the Blackhawks. When I was in the uh, 500 parade last year, going uh, down the street on the back of the car and seeing the number of people who would, uh, you know, do the hand, of st- the flag is still there, hand gesture, uh, people would say, go Hawks, you know, or uh, just, uh, it, it's just an exciting thing to to see present down here, and uh, and it builds this uh, builds this fan base. You know, people have been very warm, very uh, accepting, and supportive. So, let's describe what it's like at the United Center. There's such a tradition around the national anthem, and as the Blackhawks' resurgence here in this last decade has happened, and you've been a part of it, what has that been like for you each night? Well, it's a very exciting thing to be a part of. I mean. Uh, uh, people, you know, we have the uh, the military people on the ice that started back, I think, in 09 or 10. And uh, that, that created a sense of focus to what's going on with the cheering during the anthem. It's now the most requested event in the country from the USO. Um, and you get out there and you'll see... You know, these guys, girls, you know, they, they, they might have tears in their eyes. They might have a big smile on their face. They'll say their legs are shaking or they got goosebumps. And uh, I, I love being part of it because it's unifying and it's, uh, and it's affirming to people. It reminds them of maybe their sacrifice for uh, the country, you know, in the case of the veterans and the service people. Um, I mean, what does it mean if you've lost a leg and then you come into that environment and, and people kind of remind you that what you did matters and uh, um, it's, a very, uh, it's a very positive and very exciting thing to be a part of. The Hawks have had uh, good fortune to play in a lot of outdoor games. This year's Winter Class was really a special environment at Notre Dame. It really felt like a celebration of hockey. What was it like to perform uh, in that venue and uh, on that national stage? You know, I did uh, the Winter Classic in 2009, which uh-huh. was the first one, and we did it at Wrigley Field, which is about 48, 49,000 people. And when I went in on New Year's Eve to do rehearsals uh, for the for this year's Winter Classic, I looked around at that stadium and I thought, oh, my gosh, are they really going to fill this for a hockey game? And, and they did. And uh, the field was... Uh, uh, the field was beautiful. They've really got some spit and polish happening now in the way they're doing that production. So uh, uh, all in all, it was a win for everybody because there was 76,000-something people, right? I mean, that's a lot of people at a game, and they were all very enthusiastic. So great times. Very exciting. And because your Twitter handle is Anthem Singer, that's kind of how you've become known you're very uh, tied with the Illinois Patriot Education Fund. You sing with the members of the military. How special is it for you to be able to sing the national anthem and for it be so meaningful to so many people each and every night? Well, as I was saying earlier, you know, it is, it's unifying and it reminds people of the meaning of their loss. Uh, 
I, I receive an email I've spoken about before. I get emails a lot from service members and their families. And uh, one of those that captures it is, uh, Dear Jim, um, my son is in the Navy. Thank you so much for what you do. Every time I come to the United Center, I feel like, you know, 20,000 Blackhawk fans are cheering for him. And, and I think, you know, what does that mean if uh, the father loses his son or if the son loses, you know, a, a, an arm or leg? To be reminded that, that their life and their sacrifice matters is part of a, a kind of a responsibility and a, a kind of a gift that all of us can give to uh, these people. And that's, that's really what I feel like I'm a part of up at the, uh, up at the Blackhawk Games. Also here in Indy each May now, the last couple of Mays, you've been able to sing the iconic Back Home Again in Indiana right before the Indianapolis 500. And for you to be as embraced as you have been so quickly, what does that mean to you? Oh, that's amazing. That was uh, that was so shocking um, in 17 when I came down and I was introduced. I didn't know what to expect, but people cheered right away. So I knew, gosh, there's got to be a lot of Blackhawk fans. People have come down from Chicago. And then, uh, and then to have the kind of response that social media people really, I think they really, I sing it pretty traditionally with maybe a little more flair on the end um, than Jim Neighbors sang it, but I knew I couldn't be Jim Neighbors, right? So you just hope that you can show respect to the tradition and do your best and then hope that a fan base that really cares about that moment in the race will embrace you. And that was pretty special. Uh, still is very special to be asked back again, you know, to be a part of that uh, that moment. Uh, thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks anthem singer Jim Cornelison will be back right after this. And that's the anthem singer, and that's where you'll find him on Twitter as well, at anthem singer Jim Cornelison. And it's pretty special to uh, uh, have a chance to chat with him. And I know how important he is and his rendition of the anthem is to those in the military to veterans to blackhawks fans and to hockey fans and of course we had the opportunity to talk about the winter classic uh the first nhl game in indiana since 1992 and uh he was able to perform at that the thing that i found really fascinating was the second he was introduced every fan wearing a black and red jersey pulled their phone out of their pocket to record it because it was such a special moment to them. And it's really neat that the national anthem is so meaningful to hockey fans as it is, but his rendition has been so meaningful, not just to Blackhawks fans, but to so many others. And, uh, um, and that's the best way to kick off a hockey game and uh, to kick off an evening by recognizing those who, uh, have fought for the freedoms in the United States as well as, um, you know, recognizing our uh, our country here and, and also in Canada. When we uh, have a Canadian team in town, it's uh, it's really uh, special, and it's been special to see how not just uh, the Blackhawks fans but people here in central Indiana as well have embraced uh, Jim Cornelison, and uh, it's a place that's very special to him as uh, he's an Indiana University graduate and has a lot of deep ties here in Indianapolis. So it was a lot of fun to chat with him. We've got, uh, Brent, a couple of games coming up this weekend and some uh, pretty cool promotions as well with video game night uh, starting it off on Friday night. Yeah, we uh, it's actually video game night and uh, a Pucks and Pints night with um, our friends at Sun King Brewery. Um, 
to take advantage of that, drop by the Cuervo Bar at any point during tomorrow's game, and uh, there'll be um, delicious samples from Sun King, Quaffon Brewery, and the Beer Brewery available to sample, and then they'll also be selling those products right there at the Cuervo Bar. And then Saturday is our, our Hockey Fights Cancer Night with Community Health Network. Uh, make sure when you show up uh, to grab one of the I Fight For cards and fill it out, and we'll have a pretty cool um, in-game tribute where uh, I know you, you might see it in the NHL um, from time to time where everyone holds up the cards and, and shows who um, who in their own lives have, has been affected by cancers of all kinds and who they're fighting for, and it's a really powerful moment, and it's something that we're hoping to replicate here on Saturday. And um, if you were wanting to get involved before Saturday, we currently, on our Dash Auctions page, um, we have our Hockey Fights Cancer auction currently live. We have um, a team-signed helmet, um, a team-signed uh, military night jersey from earlier in the year, and a, a team autograph stick that are all um, available with proceeds going to the Community Health Network Foundation. So um, it's on our, our Dash auction page. So for information, if you need the link to that, check our Twitter page, check our Facebook. Um, links are on there. Um, but yet for both games this weekend, we're dropping the puck at 7.35 um, with uh, tickets available either by dropping by the Coliseum box office here or by logging on to IndieFuelHockey.com. And so make sure you stop by and get your tickets and enjoy some Indie Fuel Hockey this weekend. Friday night against Fort Wayne, Saturday against Kalamazoo. Then the Fuel are going to be on the road for much of the month of February. Just a couple of uh, home games in the month as we start on February 8th after a three-game road trip against Kalamazoo. Then the Fuel again on the road for five games. They come back for Education Day on February 19th. That's a morning game. And then back on the 23rd, uh, both games against Wichita. So take advantage of the opportunity to see the Indy Fuel this weekend. A couple of big games coming up, uh, huge games against some division opponents. So that'll do it for us on this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. We're looking forward to seeing you right here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. For Brent Hollerud, I am Andrew Smith. Thanks for listening. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.